Hey everyone, I'm Sambal Siddiqui, Mayor of Cambridge. And I'm Alana Mellon, Vice Mayor, and this is our podcast, Women Are Here. Happy Friday. It's finally Friday. It is finally Friday. (laughs) It's almost the end of January, which is like shocking, but also this was the longest month ever, ever. It was a very, very long month, and I'm very glad Monday's the 31st. Well, and you had a very long day. I woke up to some text messages from you. <laughs> yes, yes, I I texted. I don't know. I just texted a bunch of bunch of folks. I <laughs> for the public. I went to the hospital to the ER um, because of excruciating pain. Um, it turns out I have a kidney stone, which the only thing I knew about kidney stones was from that Friends episode when Joey gets kidney stones and. I could never really understand it. Like it was the episode where Phoebe, this is her friend's fans. Phoebe is giving birth to triplets, but he has kidney stones, but they're like going back and forth and he's in so much pain. And I'm like, wow, they're kind of saying that this is like just as almost as bad as childbirth. You know, I don't think I I ever saw that episode. Um, Although I can imagine that men would definitely make kidney stones um, into a, a childbirth sort of comparison for sure. <laughs> right, right. I can't believe you're, it's like one, it's one 30 in your home. I mean, when the last text I got from you, which was like, I'm, I'm going to get a CAT scan. And then, then it was like, it just dropped off. And then the next text I got was, do you want a podcast at one? And I was like, what? what? They gave me a lot of meds. Um, <laughs> they gave me a bunch of meds. I'm I'm gonna let it pass. I don't have to hopefully go back, but yeah, it's it's a lot of. It, I'm okay because I'm have all the meds, and I'm just gonna drink lots of water all day long. And I was I made sure I was like, can I have seltzer still? And they're like, yeah, that's water. So <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna keep drinking. I had like four bottles of water already. I'm just gonna drink water because it just has to pass. So anyway, this is overshare for the public, but. Um, Lucky for you, there's some huge blizzard happening tomorrow. So if anything does happen to you, you will not be able to get to the hospital. So (laughs) (laughs) I know I, I, I went through that with him. I was like, what if, if he was like, I don't think you'll need to come back. So I was like, okay, well, anyway, well, thanks for, I I texted, I texted a lot of people (laughs) really early in the morning being like, I'm at the hospital. (laughs) Oh my God. Uh, Ryan, it, it probably triggered you because remember my ankle. It did really trigger me, and I have to say that I had to step in for you at a an event this morning and um, do your speech. And I like kind of fumbled. I was like, "And um, the mayor's not here because she uh, had an emergency." I didn't know what to say. <laughs> anyway, it was fine. It was great. I'm glad you're happy. I'm glad you're healthy. I'm glad you have some deep pain medication, and hopefully, this will be a short. Um, experience in your life. Exactly. So. Exactly. Well, what are, what, are, what else have you been doing? I, you told me about a show. I think you need to tell the public about. Mm. So as everyone who lives this podcast knows my daughter who's 14 um, had COVID. So she was stuck in her room for eight days and really experienced a lot, a lot of television and a lot of Netflix shows. And one of the ones she found was uh, young Royals. And she was like, mom, you have to watch the show. It's so good just watched the first episode. So I was humoring her because it sounded really dumb, Um, but it was really good. It's about a a prince in Sweden who gets sent to a boarding school and he's gay, 
um, and falls in love with this uh, commoner, let's say. It's a very like, you know, common <laughs> teen trope, but because it was Swedish, they did a really good job, I think, of like really exploring a lot of um, teen anxiety and identity issues. And um, I really loved it. Uh, you know, I think it was like eight episodes or something. And, and the prince was so cute. And one of the things I like really loved about it is you watch a lot of these like teen shows. I have to watch a lot with my kids. And, you know, the teens are like 27 to 31 years old. And you're like, wait, yeah. I, <laughs> what is happening? Um, you know, so these, these, they were actual teenagers and they had like acne all over their face and they, you know, they seemed really, really young and immature. And it just, it, to me, it was like, it was a great show and it was quick. And um, I, did you end up watching it? I finished it. Oh, you did? I did. And I really liked it. I really want there to be a season. I, there's going to be a season two. Yeah, there's <laughs> already going to be a season two. Yeah. 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 So definitely watch it. It's just, I, it, it's really, I, I think there are a lot of good storylines. So, and it's a, it's a, it's a quick, quick watch. So definitely watch it. I mean, people, what else are you doing tomorrow? Honestly, exactly. it's going to be like 18 to 47 inches of snow. Nobody knows. <laughs> so, Who knows? Who knows? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. Um, <laughs> okay. So moving along, uh, we do have some COVID updates for you all. So the Cambridge case trends for this past week that ended Saturday, January 8th, this past week ending January 8th. That's not right. That's not right. Anyways, uh, there were 25,000, oh my God, <laughs> this is the worst podcast ever. Anyways, there were 2,500 new confirmed Cambridge cases, which translates to a seven-day average of 301 confirmed cases per 100,000 residents. There was a, a sharp decline in the COVID-19 wastewater levels in the greater Boston area that began last week uh, that is hopefully continuing to be an early indication that the Omicron infections uh, have peaked in the region so from um, December 26th to January 8th, again, not, <laughs> not from this week. Um, so you know what happened <laughs> for the public? The, the, this is, you, you, so let me just add that the, the, actually the week ending Saturday, January 22nd, there were about 1,144 new confirmed Cambridge cases, which actually translates to a seven-day average of 137.4 confirmed cases per 100,000 residents. So this is actually a 55% drop from the January 8th peak that you were just talking about. So I was just talking about that was clearly not from this week. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so cases are declining, infection rates are still high, um, but I feel like things are looking good. Um, but you, you have the new, um, hospitalization info, I think though. Yeah, I do have the new hospitalization info, but the one thing I wanted to say was, and you know, there's been a couple of times this week and I have been surprised to see that people have, um, you know, we're reporting that Cambridge residents have died from COVID. Um, there was one yeah. yesterday two um, on Tuesday. So, you know, this, you know, cases are declining and we are definitely in an upward trend, but um, just please, 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 you know, stay safe, keep those masks on, 
Um, but the COVID-19 hospitalizations in Massachusetts really began to level off sort of mid-month after that steep climb in November. So during the week of January 24th to 28th, uh, hospitalizations began to decline, but Massachusetts, the healthcare systems continue to be at their operating uh, capacity or near capacity. In the Metro West region, which includes Cambridge, 92% of non-ICU beds were occupied and 89% of ICU beds were occupied as of Thursday, uh, January 27th. So um, those are, it seems like it's like we're on a, a downward trend, but the, the hospitals are still seeing that those those high cases. Yeah, and as far as tests, just the month of January so far, from the 1st to the 26th, um, about 17,255 tests have been administered at the city sites for an average of 1,233 tests per testing session in January to date, um, in addition, a total of 2,400 tests were administered at CAC Health testing site in Kendall Square from January 21st to 27th. I actually went and got texted last night um, at like 9, 9 p.m. <laughs> after our, like we had like an 8 p.m. Zoom, 8.30 Zoom. Oh gosh, um, that's right, forgot. And then, um, but it took like a minute, no one was there and they've actually expanded the space. So it's much, it's just much easier to, to do it and, um, with, yeah, it's quick. Them. Once once you register in that place, it's super quick. Very quick. Yeah. Walk in, you do your thing, you walk out. It's um it's great. I love I like that location. Parking stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I like that location. So yeah. uh, also as of January 25th, uh 91% of Cambridge residents had received at least one dose of vaccine and 75% of residents were fully vaccinated and 43% of residents had received a booster dose. That's according to the state's weekly COVID-19 municipality vaccination report and we uh, Sumble and I were just talking before this podcast, which actually should be a podcast because the before time is, <laughs> there's always some like really interesting and uh, hilarious conversations. But we were talking that we know of several people who have gotten COVID recently who were putting off getting that booster because they were, you know, they didn't want to get it. It wasn't a great time or they were, you know, wanted to enjoy the holidays. If you haven't gotten your booster, please go get your booster. Um, we don't want to see you... Um, come down with COVID and, and wish that you had gotten it. So you can get them anywhere and everywhere. We've got uh, vaccination clinics coming up um, on Mondays and Thursdays, uh, every week at the Cambridge side, the clinic offers Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and boosters. So de definitely get yourself signed up. Um, I think they do walk-ins too, don't they? Yeah, yeah. So definitely go and get boosted. It's really, really important. We have also a... Uh, more information uh, that's going that's been added to the COVID data center, and we're now being able to add booster data. And so this is newly available from the state, and um, you know will allow us to have access to just a more comprehensive uh, demographic breakdown breakdown of vaccination trends. Uh, and the vaccination metrics have been added to the daily COVID nineteen data treat uh, tweets as well. So, yeah, I did see that those were happening. I, I know my son and his friend do a, another Twitter bot, <laughs> which traits the city's data to do that as well. So it's good to have that information. Um, we had a meeting on Monday night, which was predominantly dominated um, 
well, both by the, we had a COVID update by the city manager and Derek Neal, who's our chief public health officer, but also a conversation about a policy order that was submitted um, asking the city manager and his team to look at the Fresh Pond golf course and um, ask for some data around uh, metrics, uh, around who's using it by zip code, by race, and what other uses it could be. Um, based on the fact that it's currently open space right now, um, could there be another use? And if so, what would be the process? We seem to have, it seemed to have garnered, I mean, I think we were there for two hours with public comment, right? It was, it was like 75 um, people who came in support of the, keeping the golf course the um, as a golf course. It's a nine hole golf course. I was joking this weekend that because of this policy order, half of Cambridge woke up and realized we have a golf course. I think a lot of people don't even know um, that we have one, but we heard some really like heartwarming stories about, I mean, first of all, I think it's $27 to golf, um, which is the lowest in the region. And um, so it brings, a, it allows a lot of different types of people to come and golf at the golf course. Um, our, you know, the CRLS golf club, both of the co-captains came and spoke in support of, you know, keeping the golf course, the golf course. Uh, unfortunately, there wasn't a lot of conversation about the policy order. We weren't able to have um, a conversation because Councillor Toner, one of our new council members, exercises charter right, which means that it moves into the next regularly scheduled business meeting. Um, so we will likely hear from 75 people again on Monday night um, in support of the golf course and, and keeping the golf course the way that it is. So I don't know, um, you have anything to add about that? Not really, I mean, definitely. I think I was been one of those people, I didn't really know we had a golf course up until the COVID pandemic hit. Um, when I was walking through the Fresh Pond Reservation, which I also didn't know about. <laughs> COVID and realizing, oh, we have a golf, you know, course. And I've never played golf myself, but um, I think I have heard the last week just, you know, a lot of nice stories from folks who have used it and what it's meant to them. And anyway, it'll be interesting what we, what gets voted on on Monday, because I'm sure we'll have colleagues maybe bring in some amendments and so forth but yeah I for me personally I wish we weren't spending so much uh time on this topic to uh, be honest yes I mean I think that's um an excellent point um you know my I think it would be interesting to hear from the motion makers what they the intention was because the policy order mentioned a lot of things one of the you know one of the whereas was um you know the city has goals around affordable housing and um, space for the GPW yard. And I think for a lot of people, it may not have been the intention of the, the motion makers <laughs> to, to like make people envision, uh, you know, taking over the golf course for a DPW yard. Uh, but certainly I think for a lot of people, that is what happened. They saw those, those couple of things and thought, oh, is that the intention of this order? So, you know, I've often wondered, especially in the winter, if there are other uses for the mm -hmm. golf course. Um, I know my husband goes out to Weston to cross country ski, uh, you know, sometimes on weeknights, sometimes on weekends, it's like a real destination for people. It's a way to be outside. It's a way to actually exercise and be healthy in a beautiful spot. We don't get a lot of snow 
or we haven't gotten a lot of snow here. Um, so it may not be an option, but it's certainly, I, I would be very interested in finding out, are there other uses in the off season um, where we could get more people, more residents out to the golf course and mm -hmm. get people using it. So uh, yeah. it'll be interesting to see what happens on Monday night, but we certainly heard from the public loud and clear um, that the golf that the golf course is a, an open space hidden gem for so many people. Um, and you know, as a city, we always talk about we don't have enough open space. Um, so I think, you know, to think about taking away part of the open space that we have is that's a difficult conversation. I'm not, you know, people have said like, if you want affordable housing, there's plenty of places in Cambridge to put affordable housing. Uh, 2072 Mass Ave, for example, you know, there's, there's, you know, city owned lots, privately owned lots, there's city owned vacant buildings, there's lots of places where we could do it if we, um, you know, if that was really, if we were really committed to, to finding spaces for affordable mm -hmm. housing. So that was pretty much the big item on the agenda for Monday. Yeah, yeah. and then you had, uh, you held a really good government ops meeting. Oh yeah, so that was this week. So we have officially kicked off um, the gov the city manager, our current city manager, uh, Louis Ducasquale is leaving after five years. He is retiring uh, the end of June this year. So we've kicked off a, a search. We hired an executive search firm at the end of last year, Randy Frank Consulting, and she and her team are helping us right now kick this off. Um, I held a government operations meeting to talk about the next steps and to you know work with my colleagues on that committee to talk about the timeline to talk about um, an upcoming screening committee when we actually get candidates and some other items but the phase that we're in right now is gathering community resident stakeholder feedback on you know we have we're hiring a new city manager who do we want that person to be what you know what professional experience do we want them to have what personal attributes do we want them to have? Um, what um, what does the next leader of Cambridge look like for you? And so we're doing a number of different things. So the first thing we're doing right now, it's underway is uh, Randy Frank and her team are meeting with every single city councilor, every department head, um, the city manager himself for an hour. Um, you know, these are private meetings where, you know, they're just asking a lot of questions. And so they've met with uh, every single city manager, almost all of the department heads at this point, and they will be moving into um, more targeted focus groups and town halls. So they've got focus groups coming up next week. Um, we've got a big town hall for residents and stakeholders on February 16th uh, from six to eight. And we're also doing something different this year where we're having an employee town hall, and that'll be February 15th from five to seven. And that's really to gather information from employees uh, about what they'd like to see in their next box, essentially, right? The, you know, the city manager um, works on things and determines things like workplace uh, environment, uh, growth opportunities, right? How we are as a city and treating our employees. So I think our employees have a, a, they have a lot to say right now. They're really interested and involved in this search and, you know, giving them an opportunity to have their own town hall um, is something that we really wanted to do for them. The other thing that we're doing um, next week, hopefully early to mid next week, is kicking off an online feedback mechanism through a, a local organization called Co-Urbanize. And we've been working this whole week uh, on getting a website up and running. We've got a soft launch out today. Um, uh, 
to some users just to make sure that the website works correctly and there aren't any user interface issues. Um, but it's it, it's very cool and I'm really excited about it. Um, we've worked really, really hard on it, but it's essentially asking um, some feedback on you know all the things I mentioned before, what do we want to see in the next city manager, but you can comment and interact with other people's comments. And I think it's uh, gonna be a really inclusive um, way for the community to kind of come together and talk about what do we want as the next city manager. So there's gonna be a lot of different ways for people to um, get involved in the search provide that feedback and um, we will be sharing those on this podcast, but in all the other ways as well, social media, um, the daily digest email, there'll be a, a website on the, um, on the city of Cambridge webpage. We also will be flyering everywhere. Um, it, there's gonna be a lot of ways to get involved, but definitely spread the word. We wanna hear from everybody. Yeah, and a big, another part that is happening over the next two weeks will be um, community engagement focus groups um, that you mentioned. And so those are run by Cortico um, and my office is involved in um, helping set those up. And yeah, it, it's gonna be a lot of range of different people and we'll have some facilitators from the community um, doing those focus groups. Again, with the aim of kind of making sure we're highlighting um, the themes that are coming up for folks so that it informs our leadership profile um, and what they wanna see. So a lot of work happening, um, it's happening. <laughs> it is happening, I have, to, I have to say, like the, the difference between Monday of this week and today, like the amount of work that has gotten done is amazing and mm -hmm. um, so I'm really looking forward to like really launching next week. So the public gets to see uh, what sure. we're working on. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Um, what else? Uh, we also had a meeting and got an update on Cambridge Rise, which was nice. Um, Cambridge was Rise. so nice. Yeah. Yeah. So Cambridge Rise is, it's in the fifth month of its disbursement. Um, and we started in September. So September, October, November, December, January, February will be the sixth month. And after six months, there's a survey. Um, but our program manager, Jackie, has been very much in touch with all of the recipients and learning about what the recipients are using the money for. You know, that we have, there's a single dad paying down debts. There's a single mother of two using the money to you know, save for a family vacation, help, re, you know, help re renovate her children's bedroom. Um, there's another mother who's using the money to pay back loans. Uh, and so we have a, a variety of ways, uh, whether it's through our CCF annual report, our CEOC annual report that will be coming out. Um, you know, there's going to be a business insider article coming there's a Globe article in the works. There's a documentary in the works. There's a big storytelling component really about the narrative around what a guaranteed income can do. And so, yeah, it's exciting. It's moving forward. Yeah, yeah I, the, the one story that really caught me yesterday was the, the mom who was renovating her kid's room. And when I first read the agenda and I saw that, I was like, oh, you know what I mean? Like I just kind of had a like a, oh, kind of reaction. 
And the story behind that, right, is that she um, she lost her husband when her kids were very young and that she had a very hard time recovering from it. She lost her job and um, she, you know, she had to move in with her mom and she's using the money to turn the bedroom that she uh, is now, you know, staying with her mom into like a nice place for her kids that makes it feel more like their home that they, that they are no longer in. And so, you know, that's coming out in the business insider this week. Um, and I, you know, I think that story really touched me in so many different ways, much more so than when I originally just heard she's renovating her kids yeah. bedroom. And so that's where like, you know, I, you know, you read the story about Jonathan, um, a single dad, um, and just how, this money, having this guaranteed income every month has taken the stress and burden off of some of these single parents in a way that they just haven't had taken off before. And we were saying yesterday, like, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, these first six months, people are just kind of, Jackie said it yesterday, people have said to her over and over and over, I'm finally able to catch my breath. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting, I think, um, you know, I think folks are catching their breath right now and what happens in the next six months. And then the six months after that, I think will be really fascinating. So, you know, we saw in Stockton, you know, over their 18 months, what happened was people were able to like, take that day off from work and apply for a different job, right. Or to finally go back to school. Cause you have, you can take that breath, your brain space opens and you can start thinking about, okay, what, what's my next, what's my next move here? And so I'm really excited um, about the storytelling aspect of it. Cause I think it will really help inform other guaranteed basic income pilots and whether or not we want to do more here in Cambridge. We've talked about that with ARPA money. And um, you know, we did just hear today uh, that we've got a definitive ruling that uh, ARPA funds do not fall under the anti-aid amendment. So that opens up some possibilities for, um, you know, an expanded, guaranteed basic income um, program here in Cambridge that isn't necessarily limited to single parents, right? So I'm excited about what's next. It was really an inspiring meeting and I'm looking forward to having those out sort of in the public domain, those stories. Definitely, yeah. There's, it's great to see how things are going and um, how much more it is, it is to come. So yeah, it was great to be there for that update and that later that day, it was really helpful to have that context as I was on a panel around, you know, guaranteed income. And actually we heard from um, someone from the Magnolia's Mother's Trust. Oh, I like Jackson. that one. I love that one. Yeah, yeah. And so it was just, it's it's just hearing that, that those stories from Jackson, Mississippi, um, you know, similar kind of, the, the amount is a little bit more, um, but just kind of- A thousand, right? A thousand yeah, a month, yeah, but it's for thousand. black. Black moms, blacks and yeah, moms. twenty black um, mothers living in in poverty. Uh, anyway, it, yeah, so really excited to work on maybe you know what is uh, the next step um, with ARPA, and you know we'll keep, we'll keep you posted. Um, another thing that I was at yesterday was the early college orientation, um, which, as you know, we the schools are doing with. Leslie University and it was just nice to you know be at the high school be with students who are kind of embarking on this new journey the Leslie so Leslie will be providing 
there will be college credit that um, CRLS students will receive. And they're either going to be taking intro to art design, intro to social work, or intro to, um, what's the other one I'm blanking on? Intro to art design, social work, or and health essentials. And so those are the, that's the, the first track. Uh, and, you know, we're hoping to see how it goes. You know, they'll get an ID, they're gonna get an ALS email. Uh, so it's just exciting to, you know, the students were, some of the students were really excited. Uh, and so it's great to be, it was great to kick the orientation off. I saw the pictures and every, there was like so much joy in the pictures and, you know, it's, it's been a long month and it's been kind of a not very nice month. It was just nice <laughs> to see some real joy in people's faces and looked like, you know, a program that was really, really worthwhile. I know it was a lot of work, but it's exciting to see it underway. So thank you. I think you and um, Fred member Frantini um, really, he's been talking about this for such a long time. So yeah. Yeah. It was great to work with him to do it. So we're, we're excited. And then we've been working on a lot of stuff around fare free buses um, that all the stuff came out yesterday. I know. I feel like that was been, been, it it was such a long process, um, you know, working with 14 other municipalities to get this letter signed to send to the MBTA. But basically the background is um, we want to have a fare free bus uh, line here in Cambridge, like they do. And, you know, there's a Boston pilot that's happening right now, the Route 28 bus in Boston started under Mayor Kim Janey and then Mayor Wu extended it and then um, actually wanted to add two more fare free bus lines because what they found was ridership went up, um, transit times went down and then you know bus driver satisfaction started going up right so because all of a sudden there's no interactions with negative interactions with the public when people are trying to shove their dollar into the thing or like they don't have yeah. enough money on the card um so there was a lot of really positive things about what was happening in um on that route 28 bus line and like the ridership data is incredible um and so you know it's been something that we've been talking about here in Cambridge for a long time before the pandemic and certainly um, we saw during the pandemic that, you know, the ridership, the folks who ride the bus are usually, are mostly low income and people of color. And to, to try to make buses fare free is an equity issue. It's a transportation equity issue. So we really were pushing for it. We met with the MBTA and learned that they had no plans to expand um, any of the fare free bus lines until after they did some data collection around the Route 28 bus. And, you know, that isn't going to be happening for a couple of months. And there's all these municipalities, right? There's 15 of us right now who have ARPA money. We have funds. We want to, um, we want to explore this. And the MBTA is, um, they, you know, they just didn't have any plans to expand it. So we got together with those 14 other municipalities and wrote a letter to um, the general manager of the MBTA um, and to their board to just ask them to come up with a standardized procedure for municipalities who wanna come forward. We have the resources um, to do this because there's so many municipalities that are interested in doing this right now. I mean, Lawrence did it, Worcester did it, right? Like everyone's seeing such a powerful change around um, making the buses free um, that we should all be, we should all be looking to do this. I mean, the, the conversation we had with the MBTA was, you know, why would you just want one set of data, right? <laughs> right. Like, why wouldn't you say to all of us, great, 
Um, you're all going to pay for this. We're all going to use the same, you know, if you would want to use the same folks to do, to collect the data and present it, um, great. And at the end of the day, we would have 15 different pieces of data. We could go to the state legislature and say, we should be making the buses free, right? How are we going to find um, the funding for this in the state budget to move forward? So if we're really serious about transportation equity, um, the MBTA really needs to come to the table and work with the municipalities who are willing to do this and willing to fund it. So that was in the Globe yesterday um, and the letter went off to the MBTA um, to their board for discussion. So more on that, hopefully soon, but. Um, yeah, the meeting that we had was in November. So it's like, it took, I mean, we were talking about it for a while. So it's nice to see that we are finally, we finally did it. So um, it was nice also to reach out to a number of our counterparts you know, Melrose and Melrose and Malden and, and Wakefield. <laughs> I, know, like, um, I feel like we got all the W's. <laughs> we really did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully more to come on that. Um, what else? So we, two things, we have a major snowstorm coming. Uh, and so a snow emergency parking ban will go into effect at 11 p.m. tonight. Uh, vehicles parked on streets that are signed no parking during snow emergency will be ticketed and towed um, until the ban is lifted to assist uh, residents in parking their vehicles. Free parking is provided at a number of off-street parking facilities beginning at 6 tonight. And you can find all of this information uh, at the Snow Site Center. Um, it's basically, if you go... It's it's the snow center site. <laughs> it's a long acronym. Um, uh, you yeah, and if you are on Twitter, you can follow hashtag came C A M B A. Sorry, came mass snow C A M B M A snow for any updates uh, around when they lift the parking ban. But I did see that they even did a reverse nine one one text yes. and call. So um, hopefully people have. Um, receive that call and are clear on where to put their cars. It's one of the nice things is Cambridge does offer that free parking into parking garages. And for somebody who doesn't like to clear off their car, that's, no, that's what, you do. <laughs> that's what I do. Um, so yeah, so that's happening. Stay safe, stay warm, get that milk and bread, make sure um, before, before 11 o'clock tonight. And snacks and snacks. The, uh, the site is actually <laughs> cambridgema.gov slash snow. So sorry about that. <laughs> I mean, it's super long, everybody. <laughs> Write it down. Those days. Yeah. <laughs> Best podcast ever. Yeah. Um, the other thing that's happening that's very exciting that's starting next week is the fifth annual Warm Hearts for Warm Feet Wool Sock Drive that Sumble and I have been doing for the past five years. Um, we, it's, we, I think last year I got 2,500 pairs of wool socks donated to uh, Caspar and Bacove who run some of our biggest homeless shelters here in the city. And we are doing it again. So uh, you, there's a number of places across the city where you can purchase wool socks. Um, gather here in Inman Square, David's on First Street, uh, the Andover Shop in Harvard Square, Cambridge Clogs just outside of Porter Square and Cambridge Naturals. 
um, in the Porter Square Shopping Center. All of those folks are, oh, in Hilton Tent City, Hilton Tent City, Hilton City yes. in, in Central Square. We've tried to make sure that we've got some good, small, local uh, representation across the city. Hilton's Tent City uh, is providing a 20% off uh, discount for any wool socks that are purchased for the drive. And this year, Cambridge Naturals is um, providing a 10% off your purchase of anything that you like at Cambridge Naturals. If you um, donate socks, you can either just, you can buy them there, or you can, if you bring them into their drop-off location and they'll give you that 10% uh, discount. So the drop-off locations are City Hall, the Cambridge Police Department uh, headquarters on 6th Street, the Cambridge side mall outside of TJ Maxx and Hilton's tent city in central and Cambridge naturals in Porter. So uh, we also have an Amazon wish list, and we'll start tweeting that out and sending it out. Uh, if you, you know, can't get out to one of our small local stores, or if you want to donate hundreds of socks, please feel free. Um, but so we'll start sending that out, but that's the first through the 14th. And, you know, we do this every year and people always ask us like, well, why do you, <laughs> why socks? Uh, and it really came from um, a meeting we had, I think in our first month in our first term where we were kind of going around to all the different service providers and um, 240 Albany street, we were meeting there and um, they said, one of the number one things that they need during the winter time is wool socks that, even at, you know, 40 degrees, if you have wet socks, um, you can have frostbite and you can, you know, folks can lose toes. And so, you know, making sure that they have those wool socks, cotton socks don't dry. And so it's really around those, having those wool socks and making sure that they um, are above 70% wool um, so that they have that dry fast drying mechanism. I think one of the other things that always really got me was the first step van that operates around the city, you know, talking to homeless unhoused residents, making sure that they have access to food, clothing, um, doctor's appointments. They said that they use those socks as a way to really establish that trust and relationships with our unhoused residents. And so, you know, when I think about these socks, it seems like such a small thing, right? But if you think about sure. keeping yourself dry and warm and, and making sure you aren't becoming medically vulnerable. Um, and also, you know, those relationships that the first step bands, you know, use with those socks, that is, could be the first step in getting somebody into permanent supportive housing. So please participate if you can. We are, I think um, we have a really high goal this year because we, um, we know the need is so high um, within the community. So we'll be posting more about that, but that's starting on Tuesday. And yeah, the press release will be coming up very shortly and have all this information on where to go, where to buy, uh, and we'll be doing a little competition with the Cambridge Police Department. I mean, we win every year. Is it a competition? We really? do. Yeah. I mean, I think our new commissioner, Commissioner Elo, um, who officially became the commissioner last Monday, last Monday, yeah. last Monday um, she was like, bring it on. And so <laughs> it's like, all right. All right. I'm bring <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So those are, I think, our updates. I mean. Yeah. I mean, I got to run out to the store and see if there's anything on the shelves. Yeah. I got to pass this kidney stones. <laughs> <laughs> These are two very th different things that you and I have to do this afternoon. <laughs> Stay safe, everyone. All right. Enjoy the snow, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.